0: Good morning, y'all. Russ and Casey are so awesome. We're so thankful to have them. They've been here so long. and I said this last week, uh, but watching people grow up and then grow together and then start having families, and it's really cool to see that, and it's so cool to see how God's using them um, to lead this uh, growth challenge for marriages and to do all these things that God has put in front of them. It's really cool that the friend that Russ— you know ended up being a part of him coming to know Christ. He came to know Christ like um, really at after we had decided to do this video and so it was kind of cool to see like how God brought this to happen um, as we're preparing to to film this and to record this testimony and just to see how God orchestrated that is really really awesome. It made me think about the passage in Galatians 6 that tells us if we do not grow weary in doing good. In due season we will reap a harvest, Um, that that if we keep sowing the seed, God is going to do his part, and that's really cool. Um, Also such a great example of seeing what it's called, what it means to be equipped to be a part of the ministry, to not just consume it, but to go do ministry. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're in this series called Until Every Person Knows. And so what we're looking at are the different things that we do as a church so that our vision of every person coming to the knowledge of Christ, that that the earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. This series is all about the things we do that God's called us to do um, and why we do these things. And today we are talking about the equipping area um, and how we're equipped, why we're equipped, what that looks like, what that even means. What does it even mean to be equipped, for the saints to be equipped for the work of ministry? What is ministry? And we're going to answer those things today. Um, I do want to say this, though, as I'm standing here and the video's playing and I'm looking out today. And it really hit me strongly today that I want you to know that I don't take this lightly to stand in front of you. I realize as I look at families and different people together and you're coming here to worship and to hear God's word, I don't take this lightly because the truth is like every single one of you matter to God and every single one of you have a purpose to God and for God. And I want you to know you matter, that God loves you and he cares for you and he longs to, to, to be in a relationship with you to sustain you. And my prayer is, and we'll get to this at the end of this, that you would plant yourself in Christ and that our roots would grow deeply into him and that all the fruit of the love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control that the Holy Spirit produces would be evident in your life and that God would do something in you and through you that you could never do on your own. So, I want to read a couple of passages. Jordan mentioned one. When we talk about equipping, uh, we usually go to Ephesians 4. It's just such an obvious passage um, where it talks about the importance of equipping the saints. When we first started the church back in 2008, um, we, we had this as part of our mission statement. Uh, we, we would Uh, say this, say it this way, that we exist to connect unbelievers to God and believers to each other through the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. That was the original mission statement. We wanted to see people connected to God, connected to each other, and then see them equipped to do the ministry. And so we're going to look at one of those passages that speak about this, but also want to read Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. In Ephesians 3, Paul lays out this incredible vision For the church, what the church is supposed to do to display the manifold wisdom of God throughout the world and even into the heavenly realms. And he continues a prayer that he had begun earlier. And he says, for this reason, I kneel before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Then over in Ephesians 4, 11, it says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. These are different people called to different leadership within the church. He says, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the, here's that word again that we saw at the end of what we read in three, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. In other words, you'll be grounded. You'll be sure in the things of God. And by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming, Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word and the truth. I thank you for every person here. I thank you for every heart, every soul that is here in this place today, for every heart, every soul that's watching this online. Lord, I pray that you would move through the power of your spirit. I thank you for your presence here with us. I pray that we would be awakened even more to your presence. God, I pray that we would be awakened truly to how wide and long and deep and high is your love for us and that we would know that love not with an intellectual knowledge but with experience as we walk with you abide in you lord we love you god we praise your name in christ's name amen amen so one of the things i would tell you about myself is is i one of my hobbies is i enjoy hunting right um i asked john urban who's one of our pastors on staff here one time i said John, do you think I'm a redneck? And John said, I don't think you're a red, I don't think you're a redneck necessarily. He said, I think you're more country with some redneck tendencies, kind of what he told me. And so um, I love to hunt, I love to fish, I love to do all those things. One of the other things I love is I love hunting dogs. I love to have hunting dogs of different types and have had those for most of my life. One of the things that I've seen happen a couple of times um, during my life, as I've had these hunting dogs, is they will sometimes get ticks on them, right? As they go through the woods and you've probably had them on you, they'll get ticks on them. And what will happen sometimes I've only seen it happen twice in all the years but what happens sometimes is they will get a tick or so many ticks on them that what begins to happen is they will actually experience paralysis. What happens is they are sucking the blood out, and as they're sucking the blood out, Through that process, they are injecting a toxin into the dog's system. It can happen to people, too. But I've seen it happen with dogs, where it begins to affect the neurological system. And so what actually ends up happening is the dog becomes paralyzed, takes the good out, puts the toxin back in. And I want to say this without being too harsh, because a lot of what happens in the church is a product of the church's system and getting away from uh, scripture and what God intended for the church. But in many ways, this is what's happened to the church, especially in the United States, is people will come and we suck the good out and we deposit toxins in. And what ends up happening is the church becomes paralyzed. We suck the good out We consume it, and then we begin to deposit the toxicity of apathy or entitlement or a consumer-minded Christianity. And what happens to the church is it becomes paralyzed. And I say that today because I don't want us to live in that spot as a church. I want us to be a church that is thriving and alive. God God longs for his church to be that unstoppable force, right? Right? That is full of people doing the work of ministry, not to consume ministry, but doing the work of ministry. We weren't saved just from something, we were saved for something to do this work of ministry. And so for us, it's all about trying to equip people to do ministry. It's about seeing them connected to God, connected to each other, but also equipped to go out and do ministry. When we look at this, there's different ways we do this. Jordan mentioned the connect groups. These are our small groups that get together and they study God's word. They do life together. They're there for each other. They care for each other. And it's one of the ways that we're equipped. We have these classes periodically that are called Close the Gap. The purpose of those classes is to take us from things we might have always known into an experience of those things. So one of them is, um, an example would be a close the gap on, the, the, on God's word, experiencing God's word. Many of you have been in church and you've always heard that God's word is living and active, that it is powerful, that it's God-breathed. But how many of us have experienced that, right? And so we're trying to move people from an intellectual knowledge to an actual experience of God's truth and his promises. Another thing we do are the growth challenges. You heard this as we listened to the video with Russ and Casey, that they're leading this growth challenge. It's a a class basically that is a few weeks long that you go into and it focuses in on a, a topic. It could be prayer. It could be marriage. It could be parenting. It could be any of those things. And so we focus in on these things, but we don't do them just to have something to do. We do these to try to equip people for the work of ministry so that we grow up, right? We grow up into maturity. This is what Paul is saying. We grow into the fullness of God. We grow into the full measure, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We come to this place of maturity. We're no longer infants tossed to and fro, but there is a maturity that brings unity and a building up of the body. And so that's what we strive for. But here's the the challenge in the church there are so many people in church who have been going to church for years. We've been in church for years, but we've never grown. We've gotten older physically but we've never grown spiritually, right? And here's the thing I would ask you. What if you could look into a mirror? What if you could look into a mirror? And when you looked into that mirror, instead of seeing your physical state of maturity, you saw your spiritual state of maturity. What would that look like? What would you see? What would be the age, right? It might look something like this. I want you to see a video that I came across this week. But I wonder if we were to really be able to do that, what would we see? Would our physical maturity match our spiritual maturity? Or would it be looking like looking at a child in the mirror? Because God wants us to grow up, right? Grow up in our faith. Grow up in our relationship with him. To be equipped, to be to grow into the full measure of Christ. And, and I want you to understand the goal of equipping, as we see here in Ephesians 3 and 4, the goal of equipping is so that the church is built up. Is what he tells us here, that the, the body would be equipped so that the body of Christ may be built up, so the church is built up. The goal then becomes maturity and growing into unity and into the knowledge of God. But it doesn't stop there. He says grow into maturity that we can grow into the fullness of Christ. What's he mean by that? The the word for fullness, it literally means like to have so much in you, you really can't put more in. And what he's saying is, I want you to be so full of Jesus that when more stuffed in, Jesus comes out. I want you to be so full of Christ that, that the Spirit of God flows out of you like rivers of living water into other people's lives. I want you to be so full of Jesus that you're bursting with Christ. that That's the aroma of your life, that you're just bursting with Jesus. He says, This is the goal, the heart. But it doesn't even stop there because when we're bursting with the Holy Spirit, Galatians 5 tells us we'll also be bursting with the fruit of the Spirit. And so when maturity comes and we're growing into the fullness of Christ, there is fruit that is produced in our life, Paul never saw equipping as an end in itself. The equipping was so that the kingdom would advance. We were always called to be fruitful. Go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. When God created man, he said, Be fruitful and multiply. The goal was always that the earth would be filled with the knowledge of his glory. And if that's going to happen, then we need to become filled with the fullness of Christ to be equipped so that the church, the body, is built together, that we come to unity of the faith, and we ultimately become mature, no longer infants, no longer squabbling over petty things, no longer divided over things that at the end of the day don't matter, but we've come to a maturity, and that the main thing is Jesus and our relationship with him, and others knowing him. Let me tell you what maturity isn't real quick. Maturity isn't morality, okay? The the goal is not morality. Because of this broken system we live in, where the pastor is the one who does the ministry and the people have been taught, just sit down, keep your mouth shut and consume it. Because of this, we've come to conclude that I guess the part, of, uh, uh, the part I have to play in this whole thing is to live a good life, to live a good life. I, I'm going to live a moral life. But if that's all we see in this, then we're missing it. Because Christianity, apart from the mission of God, it doesn't make sense and we're still left unfulfilled. God's desire for us is that we would see the bigger picture. That some are called to positions in the church, yes, but it is for the equipping of the saints. It's not so that we do all the ministry. Maturity isn't morality, not just living a good life. Listen, it's not just knowing about God, it's not just knowledge. We look at Ephesians 3, where we looked at before. He says, I want you to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And listen to what he says, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. To know this love that surpasses knowledge. How do I know something that surpasses knowledge? Well, those two words are different. When he says to know this love, it's not an intellectual knowledge. It's literally meaning a a feeling and an experience. He says, I long for you to experience this love of God that is so incredible, that is so good, it surpasses our intellect. We can't fathom. He says, I want you to know. I want you to be able to grasp. I want you to see a glimpse of how long and wide and deep and high the love of God is for you. He says, I want you to experience this love, but understand you'll never wrap your mind around it. How could God possibly love me? He says, what I want you to understand is that he does. And realize when you ran so far as you thought you outran ran him, that his love was longer. When you, when you burned such a broad path and caused so much destruction, Destruction, guess what? His love is wider. When you thought you dug such a deep hole that God could never reach down and touch your life, understand his love is deeper. When you thought you had had gone so far away and, and climbed so high to get away from God, realize his love is higher and you can never escape his love. And if you're gonna be in this mission with Christ, if you're gonna be in this equipping process, if you're gonna be filled with the fullness of the measure of God, you need to understand this. It doesn't happen because of rules. It doesn't happen because of law. It happens because you have experienced the love of God and you can't get enough of it and you never wanna be without it. So you begin to put yourself in position to abide in Christ and in his love. And then his love begins to work in you to do for you what you can't do for yourself he says here to know this love that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness he's saying love is the key I'll tell you this when I was uh, not a Christian before I came to Christ I never could live for God because I was afraid of hell, right? I got so hard and cynical about those things that I'm like, well, I guess that's where I'm going. Fear never calls me to live for God. I didn't do a lot of bartering with God. God, if you will, I will. If you will, I will. My heart was pretty hard in all of that. And none of that could cause me to want to just be with God. It couldn't cause me to want to live for God. Something bad happened, and maybe for a little while I'd be mindful, but it wouldn't last. But let me tell you what did change my heart. What changed my heart is the day that I realized no matter how far I had run, no matter how deep I had dug, no matter how broad the path of destruction I had blazed, I never got away from him loving me. And when I realized that that love for me never changed, it changed me forever. When I just got a little glimpse, a little grasp of God's love for me, it changed me forever. And I wanted to grow into the fullness. I wanted to please my father. I wanted to be with him and know him, never to be separated from him again. And it changed my life forever. Here's the challenge for a lot of us. We maybe came to a understanding of this love or a glimpse of this love or an experience of this love and then we come into the Christian life. But the challenge for many of us is, We still make mistakes. Anybody still make mistakes? Anybody perfect in here? No. If you raise your hand, we'll cut it off, right? Because you're lying. Go to hell for that. But we're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. And so what happens when we make a mistake, we forget how long and wide and, and deep and high the love of God is. And we again begin to think, there's no way God could love me. And so you know what we do. We carry this guilt and shame, and guilt and shame never leads us closer to God. Shame only makes us turn away from God, and we begin to move away. Rather than running to our Father, we run from our Father. And I would tell you today that if you're in that place, you once again need to get a glimpse of his love and come back to the Father so that you can walk in the fullness of Christ. It's not shame and guilt that the Bible says teaches us to say no to ungodliness. It's the grace of God, it says, that teaches us to say no to ungodliness. That we could possibly comprehend to experience to grasp a little piece of this love that is beyond measure because it is His love that compels us towards the fullness of God. Maturity is not obeying rules and traditions. It's not going through the motions, it's not a perfect attendance, maturity once again It's growing into the fullness of Christ and being so full of Jesus that you're bursting with the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God is producing fruit in your life. Maturity is the fullness of Jesus producing his life in you and through you. It is, I'm going to say this morning, maturity is the fullness of Jesus producing his life in you and through you. So, one, it's becoming like Jesus. It is becoming like Christ. You know, when you think about the fruit of the Spirit, you know what those really are? Those are the characteristics that is the nature and the characteristics of God himself love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all those things, is the characteristic of God himself. Here's where we, though, we, we, we miss it. We think that somehow we are going to produce those characteristics through our own ability and our own strength. And it's impossible. How crazy to think that we can produce God apart from God. But he says, I want to do something supernatural in you. He says, if you'll just abide in me, then I'll produce this in you. You'll be bursting with Christ. John 15 tells us this. Jesus says, if you'll abide in me, you'll produce much fruit. Does that mean if you'll just live in me? you will come to me and live in me, abide in me, remain in me. He says, I'll remain in you. And he says, and I'll produce this fruit through you, the fruit of his likeness to become like Jesus. The other part of this maturity in Jesus producing his life is producing it in us, one, but through us, others becoming like Jesus. So we enter into this mission of Christ. Where through our life and the way we share things, the way we share life with others, they come to know Christ. It's exactly what Russ did with his friend, who just gave his life to Jesus. Not long ago, it's been just a couple of weeks ago, a friend of mine passed away. Um, it's kind of unique because my friend was 80 years old, and. I'm 35, so it makes it a lot different, <laughs> difference in age. Not really, you got to add 11, right? And, and pretty soon it'll be adding 12. Um, but there was still a pretty good age gap. But I told you I love hunting, I love hunting dogs. And the way I really got to know this man is uh, we would go and take our dogs, we'd run our dogs together, and it just gave us a lot of time to, to sit around, talk and talk about life, talk about family, talk about God. And we just sat there for one, two, sometimes three hours talking. And as he got older, um, he started to get weaker, and he ended up coming uh, or having being diagnosed with cancer. And about I guess three months before he passed, I got a call from his son. He said, "Hey, would you come see Daddy? He's asking for you." I said, "Absolutely." So I went over and I saw him, and we had a good talk, and he said, I want you to do my funeral. He said, would you do that? I said, absolutely. So said, I'd be honored, but I hope it's not anytime soon. He said, well, I don't know how much I got left, long I got left, but I want you to do it when the time comes. I said, sure. He said, you know, I have a lot of peace, feel like God's given me peace. But there was one thing he could never get over. He could never get over this feeling that he wasn't good enough for God or that he was good enough for God. And he fought with that. And we had many conversations just sitting around a camp and, and he, we'd be talking about Jesus and we talk about God and, and he'd say, Brandon, I know, I believe his issue wasn't believing. It wasn't trusting the gospel, it was believing that he could somehow get into heaven because of all the things that he had done. And we sit there and share, and and every time the conversation would be, I just don't know. I've just done a lot of bad things. I don't know that I can, can ever get in. I just don't know. I just worry that I've done too much. And every time the conversation would get to that point, and I would say, you've got to understand that's the point. The point is that you will never be good enough the point is that imperfect people can come to Christ and they can be connected to God because of him because our goodness will never get us there and we'd sit there and share and sit there and share and sit there and share and every time it was just what would trip him up I, I just feel so unworthy fast forward a few months and I get another call that he wasn't doing well he was still at home but he was under hospice care and his son said hey would you mind he's, he's wanting to talk to you he said he's got some questions for you and I said absolutely I said I'll come by tomorrow afternoon well about 11 o'clock the next day I got a, another text and it said hey he's not doing good call me I called he said look we've had to take him to hospice he's going down fast you think you can come this afternoon I said I'll be there in 30 minutes I get there, he's unconscious. They said, you know, he's not opening his eyes. He's not really communicating anymore. But they said, they tell us he can still hear. And they said, we really believe that he just needs assurance from you one more time. That when he lets go here, he's going to be with Jesus And so I talked with them for a little while. I went over and I said, let me talk to him. And I went over and I got down on one knee by the bed. And I grabbed his hand and I called his name and I said, I want you to know something. I said, I've been thinking a lot about the good times we've had. But I want you to know this. What you're about to experience is so much better than any of the good times we ever had what you're about to experience is gonna blow your mind. I said, when you stand before God, you are gonna be amazed at how much he loves you. You're you're gonna be blown away by what you see. I said, I want you to know that you are a son of God. You have told me about your faith, that you trust him. And I said, God takes care of his children. And he's going to take you from where you are all the way back to where he is. And I want you to know that he loves you. And I want you to know that it's okay to go now. It's okay. You can let go. You can have peace about where you're heading. I told him I loved him and I prayed for him. I got up. I left and about probably an hour and 15, hour and 30 minutes later, I got a text that he passed. The family told me that when I left, it was like there was a peace on him that he never had before. That he had come to this place of of peace. In less than an hour and a half, he Passed and went to be with the Lord. And here's the thing: I don't. I'm not saying that to say, "Wow, look look at what I did." I'm saying that to say, how incredible is it that just by talking about Jesus, while you're running hunting dogs, you can have that kind of influence in somebody's life? That someone comes to know Christ. That someone. Think so much of the times you've had and what you've poured into them that they just need to know one more time. For some of you today, that needs to be your assurance. That if you've trusted Christ, you surrendered to Christ, you're living for Christ, then you can be assured that you are in Christ. And I want you to see that the Christian life is all about abiding in Christ. It's about making disciples wherever you are. It's about abiding and growing into Jesus. In fact, the work of ministry is in making disciples. That is the work of ministry. But it doesn't matter if you're a school teacher, a coach. It doesn't matter if you're a banker. It doesn't matter if you're a stay-at-home mom. It doesn't matter if you're a construction worker. You may have your specific calling in life, but we all have one purpose, to make disciples and to teach them to abide in Christ so that the fruit of Jesus is produced in their life. I want to read one more passage of scripture. Psalm chapter one. Prospers. See, here's a picture of a life that can be lived in two ways. It says there's one, that this life, that, that walks in step with the wicked. There's another one that, that stands in the way of sinners. There's another one that sits in the company of mockers. And in verse 4, he tells us that the, 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 the wicked will be blown away. He tells us that there is destruction that comes to them. But the reality for us in this is to realize that where we're planted will determine what we produce. If you look at this, I want you to see this and understand this, that if you walk in step with the wicked, then, then you're, you're walking. But then he says, then you stand and then you sit. I want you to understand, you keep putting yourself in positions that are not close or in proximity to God, eventually that becomes where you're planted and that is the fruit that you're going to produce. He says, but if you'll meditate on his law, on his word, if you'll you'll draw close to him, he says, you're like a tree planted by streams of water. You'll bear fruit in every season, even when drought comes, even when difficulties come. He says, you will prosper. You will produce fruit. The question is, where am I going to plant myself Am I going to plant myself in God's presence? Am I going to plant myself in God's word? Am I going to plant myself through worship and prayer and community so that I become equipped, so that I grow into maturity, so that the body is built up in unity and in in faith and in love? Am I going to grow in knowing God, not just about God? Or am I going to settle for the broken system that tells me I'm just here to consume what the church is putting out. I would challenge you with this. You are created for more than that. You are created for more than that. Christianity is not just about living a good life. Christianity is about living the life of Christ and enjoying his presence. Him produced in you and him produced through you. I told you about all the ways we have here to help you grow in that. And if you're not in a connect group, if you're not taking advantage of the growth challenges, if you're not meeting with somebody for discipleship, to grow, to be equipped, then it is impossible for you to walk in the fullness of Christ. Because as Jordan said, we are not meant to do life alone. I would encourage you with that. I wanna pray for us that God would move in our hearts to move us closer to him. Lord, I thank you for your word and the truth. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would work through your word. God, that we wouldn't settle for a Christianity that is void of your presence and void of your mission, but that we grow into the fullness of Christ, that we would be bursting with Jesus, that we would be planted that our roots would grow deeply into him and that the fruit of our life would be good, that you would produce Christ's likeness through us. God, that you would produce Christ's likeness in us and that the earth would indeed be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. We love you, Father, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.